This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. The word inspiring gets used a lot when it comes to the pet world and pet industry and in this episode I'm speaking to a really really amazing lady called Marie Yates who is the founder of Canine Perspective. So Canine Perspective is an organisation that works with rescue dogs and survivors of sexual violence and they work together in lots of different ways. What Marie has to share in this episode is absolutely fascinating, really heartwarming about the incredible role that dogs can play in helping people recover, build resilience and then also to rebuild their lives after some terrible things have happened to them. Marie shares all about her canine perspective journey, how she went from having the idea in the first place to finding organisations and animals who would be happy to work with her. She shares some really inspiring stories about some of the dogs that she's worked with including Bruno who is just such a lovely, lovely dog. Um, He is a staffy who had a terrible time himself um, and then has gone on to help dozens of people overcome really really challenging things in their lives so do enjoy this episode marie is such an incredible lady do go and follow her do go and check out the work that she does i hope you enjoy it do let me know as well and do go and go and check out marie and do let her know as well and if you would like to work with her support her in any way she would love to hear from you too so now on to the main part of the show and i hope you enjoy this episode as much as i've enjoyed working with marie and seeing the amazing things she's done over the past few years So, hi Marie, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, awesome to be here, thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's great to have you here and great to see you again because I haven't seen you for quite some time and know we have met a few times and we do chat quite regularly, but obviously the last year has been somewhat chaotic, hasn't it? It so has. Can you, can you tell people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? So, I'm Marie um, and I run a social enterprise called Canine Perspective CIC. So we are a community interest company and we we've evolved over the years, um, but we have always stayed true to our original mission. And that is the the, the partnering of survivors of rape and sexual violence um, in workshops with rescue dogs. Um, and so we have quite an exciting theory of change where we look at um, behaviour change in, in dogs and in humans, uh, looking at the, the stories of the rescue dogs and how that parallels to survivors um, and recovery from trauma and looking towards the future and living our best lives so we have continued with that as our as our main aim uh, all throughout uh, the last few years mm-hmm. okay so can we just go back a little bit because I, I I know we've met before and I know the canine hope and canine perspective story but what I would love to do bearing in mind that some people might be discovering you for the first time is to go back and talk about what you did before you had canine perspective and and you know life before you had this incredible incredible idea okay so um i used to have a proper job um i worked wow. in sport <laughs> for many years um uh, working in dispersely sport and then into paralympic sport so uh, finished my sporting life in uk athletics so i was developing or i was responsible for the development of the paralympic program in the lead up to the 2012 games so um i would love to say it was exciting as it sounds um, in many cases it was um, and uh, certainly an opportunity i'm incredibly grateful for um but then uh, because of a master's degree that i did um i went to work for the department for education 
um, which destroyed my soul on every level. Um, I think when you when you are lucky enough to work in work in sport or work in something that you are ridiculously passionate about and you are surrounded by people who are ridiculously passionate about something. Um, I think I was in a bit of a false sense of security that that's what the world of work was. Um, <laughs> and I thought that that might be what would happen in education, that you're surrounded by people who are passionate about education. And that was not the case. So I didn't last long, uh, we can safely say. Um, I certainly didn't fit in and I did not find my people there. Uh, and I was offered redundancy and I leapt at that um, so quickly. Uh, that was a that was a bit of a gift. So just to just to sort of put that into into perspective because that was when that was when we we took a risk and, and started canine perspective while i was at the department for education i um i also followed a bit of a personal dream um because i had my weekends back uh, and i wrote my first book so having that time back and being able to to follow a personal passion was um was 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 the only gift um from the department for education so in doing that um, it was a it was a book aimed at teenage survivors. And at the time, I was working um, sort of volunteering uh, with with survivors and, and young people in particular. Um, and I, I'd get quite grumpy sometimes about the stories that I heard them um, sharing and some of the language that was used about you know this is going to be a lifelong journey of recovery and life is going to be impossible from now on. It's going to be really difficult. And that was coming from a lot of different people within. Um, parents, uh, schools, criminal justice. There, there was a lot of those sort of messages, certainly not from everybody, but but that that was what they were hearing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something about it. And that's where the, the desire to write combined with my grumpiness uh, came together. Uh, so I thought if I could create a teenage character, because, you know, I like to think I'm cool and groovy, but the older I get, the less cool and groovy I am. And using the phrase cool and groovy <laughs> highlights just how uncool and groovy I am. Um, you know, I, I just didn't feel I was reaching people in a way that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So I created a teenage character um, who could hopefully start to, to reach people in a different way. And that that's that's where the book happened. And the week that I was told I was going to be made redundant, I was also offered a publishing deal. So wow. I, I believe that was written in the stars uh, so so I, I took redundancy that that took a little bit of time as everything does in the civil service and yeah that is the rest is, is history as they say okay. so tell me about the book then and how you brought the so we've got the we have the survivor we've got this you, you volunteering with survivors you're hearing the the support that they're being given and the messages that they're getting and you wanting to offer an alternative so you you created the book and can you tell us about the book and, and what okay. the story is without ruining yeah. it, obviously. So, yeah, <laughs> in the end. Um, so I, I, I'll sort of put it into, into context a little bit, but but as I've said, I wanted to, to write about a, a, a teen character um, with something positive for survivors. The reason being that my experience um, as a survivor and my experience growing up um, and my experience as an adult, um, I feel I have had a lot of choices and I, I have... Um, I haven't always thought that this is that I'm, I'm living a life that's the worst it could possibly be. I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very happy, and I just wanted to to sort of share that that can happen and and everything can be okay and it can be more than okay. And you know we all have down days and we all have dark times, but everything can be fabulous. And 
in doing that, I was trying to write and trying to write and, and you know, 101 screwed up bits of paper, as you all know, and as anyone who's ever written anything will know, um, that when you start, you just end up with a mess, don't you really? Um, and under my desk was uh, my own rescue dog. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought that he paralleled many of my experiences. So he was a rescue, he was a Rottweiler German Shepherd Cross. Um, and this was this was quite a long time ago that I adopted him. And, you know, Rottweilers then were what staffies are now. And, you know, we all know that all of that is nonsense, but the, the reputation that, that went with them was very much there. Uh, I was told that I shouldn't have him, that that was a big mistake, that he, he'd hurt me, he'd hurt other people. And um, so far from the truth, uh, that is ridiculous. Um, but it was a judgment based purely on a label. Yeah. And that's what I couldn't um, couldn't quite get my head around. And it was very similar to when you disclose that you're a survivor, that people expect you to behave in a certain way and they expect, um, I, th I think there's an expectation that you'll be um, frightened or sad or unhappy um, and that life is difficult because they're the, they're the messages that shine through. Yeah. Um, similarly with um, with my boy, it was that he would behave in a certain way purely because of the label. They weren't seeing him and they weren't seeing how he was behaving and then just just recomputing um, that message. So the book was born out of that. So the book is a story of a teenage survivor and her rescue dog, who also happens to be a German Shepherd, Rottweiler Cross. Um, and we explore all of these different ideas, all of the parallels, um, not not just the, the human canine bond and the, the awesomeness that is life with a dog and especially life with a rescue dog, um, but the, the messages that underpin that as well. Mm -hmm. So I love the, I know we've talked a lot over the years, but I love that kind of light bulb moment where you're surrounded by screwed up bits of paper and <laughs> tearing your hair out and then you look, look, you know, look under the table and think, ding, this is, yep, this there is, is it. <laughs> and yeah. then everything happens, everything falls into place with the actual book. And then yeah. what happens? How does canine perspective and canine hope and all the other things that you've got, how did all that come together following on from the book? So at, at the time, um, there was there was definitely no plan. Um, <laughs> this certainly isn't a podcast in um, in business development or any advice on that front. Um, so the the book uh, I was like I said I was very lucky I got I was published. Um, the book is now a trilogy, and the first book made it to the People's Book Prize. So that was back in two thousand and fifteen. Being part of the final, I didn't win, sadly, um, but being part of the final did raise the profile of the book and open open doors. And um, I was just really lucky to be able to go and go and talk to people and you go and do author visits and you, and you get you get some opportunities to do some quite cool things. But obviously um, they didn't really want me at all. Uh, they wanted the main character. Um, so the main character was very much available. And, uh, you know, my people spoke to his people and off we went and did a lot of these workshops together and uh, and delivered them and um he was absolutely phenomenal uh, without exception so what i saw when we were out together and, and obviously a lot of the the sessions that i i was doing as well did involve young people and survivors mm -hmm. uh, when we were out and about and i saw him create magic when when we were out he he just he just knew who to go to what to do um when to when to sit back, when to go go to somebody, when to sort of rest his head on their chin. And bear in mind, he, you know, he's a, he's a big, big lad. Yeah. Um, and 
the the presence he had the the way he was able to communicate and the power he had um and i'm talking their sort of physical strength and a lot of the people that we were talking to and um presenting to and working with they'd never had safe touch um with with anyone um but then you put that into context of somebody who or someone who is very very powerful very strong and they were able to sit with him touch him safely yeah. and have that connection in a, in a whole new way and there was something in it and then people would, would start to ask well how, how did you like train him to do those things how do you get him to do those things and uh, my word i wish i had an answer for that um but i didn't it was it was pure luck um but i i get quite annoyed when i don't know the answer to a question so i took myself off and um trained as a, a dog trainer and, and did dog behavior qualifications and all sorts so that I could understand more about what he was doing and how he was doing it and the more I learned about about dog behavior generally but also then the rescue element and and the recovery from trauma and the, the various the, the story he had um before sort of life before and life after um there were so many parallels with with survivors and with recovery from trauma and with um, you know the, the things that that we call um, sort of troubling behaviour in dogs, which is just them being a dog, just them communicating. You know, he's not he's not giving me a hard time; he's having a hard time, and just trying to trying to reconcile some of those things with what we were seeing in humans. And so that was the start of of canine perspective on a wider sense, but canine hope as a program mm -hmm. to 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 work with dogs so we don't we don't work in a in in therapy we don't take dogs in um and survivors can just interact and that's it we we have a, a behavior change program um through canine hope so i met marie at the purina better with pets prize um in 2018 which was an amazing event celebrating people who are making lives better with pets and you were one of the highly commended weren't you um, was yes i was lucky of, to be one of the finalists oh it's just amazing wasn't it so and you were there and you were talking about canine hope and i remember sitting in the audience and actually thank goodness i was on my own because i got really emotional and it was just incredible because you were talking about how canine hope works and how the workshops um bring people together and you shared this lovely story about one of your one of your canine hope dogs bruno so can you can you share that story again i know i've we've we've talked about this so many times but because it's a podcast now i didn't have a podcast when i spoke to you before i really would love you to share it again so tell us um just talk about like what you talked about when we were at better with pets and because okay. that explained it so well i think i'll try and do it without pitching um okay. <laughs> that was my uh, my tried and tested pitch um Okay, so yeah, so we we did obviously start with with Reggie being um, being being the dog for obvious for obvious reasons, but as we evolved and we started looking at the research into what we were doing and the we, we um, had social impact measurements and we, and we were looking at the differences, we did start to work and obviously by then I was also qualified to to do this properly and safely with the dogs. Um, we we started to work with with genuine rescue dogs, so dogs who were in rescue and looking for a home. Um, and there are 101 reasons for that, um, especially the fact that they help the survivor group as much as the survivor group help them. So this is very much a mutual transaction. Um, Bruno was was one, um, and he he's a, uh, a three-legged staffy. So he's a in, and he was in rescue. Um, so his story is 
that he he was with a he was with a family um, and he was taken out of that family um, by police and it was a pretty horrible situation and when the police got there he had to be taken straight to the vets because of a a significant injury to to one of his back legs um, and that that injury was caused by um, one of the humans in that in that household um, I use the, the term human loosely in that in that uh, right now um, he was taken straight to the vet and the vet had to amputate his, his back leg and what what was found in that in that house the the trauma he had gone through um was was just incredible so he what he was taken straight out and straight into rescue um and he was he was uh, with a he was with a family so that he could be uh, like with a foster family so he could be cared for and, and his recovery and rehabilitation and everything could go as well as possible so we did meet him um, a little way down the line from this obviously he'd um sort of medically he'd been signed off by the vet he'd uh he he bounced back physically so his um his ability to to move around and be fabulous on his three legs was fine so he was he was ready to to he was ready for a new job um by this point and so i met him and, and he's he's been a big part of uh, some of the the canine hope sessions just because he was so damn good at it like he he was born for this job um so he he was one of our co-tutors um and when we talk about him we talk about his his story and where he was in that family and we do that in the context of him also being a staffy because you know i've said about rossi's having a, a a reputation we all know that staffies have a reputation and um that i think that sometimes compounds that story a little bit when you when you have a dog where where you know there there's a story about the breed regardless of what behavior that dog shows and it's going right back to that label again but in that in that house where he was um neglected physically abused um verbally abused he was he was in a in a absolutely horrendous environment in which in which he was living he didn't he didn't bite once um he didn't try and run away and he didn't alert anyone there was no uh you know no, there no complaints of barking there was there was nothing and yet as survivors we're often told or asked well why didn't you say something why didn't you run away in a heartbeat he could have done some serious damage um to those people uh he could have he could have barked he should he have done I don't know but what we do is we talk through that story mm -hmm. and we pause and we say okay so so whose fault is that and in that moment the penny drops because they're looking at Bruno they're there with him in the room he is the perfect dog and you know as we're as we're sharing his story he is usually either on the lap of somebody or on the floor on his back having having belly rubs and they're, they're seeing this absolutely beautiful beautiful animal who's interacting with them and all of them have been asked the same question they've all been asked why haven't why didn't you run away why didn't you fight back why didn't you say something as if there's an element of blame yeah and when they look at Bruno you want to see the power of the feeling that comes out with that how could it possibly be his fault that is not his fault that is only the fault of the perpetrator and it's only in that moment of silence that the penny drops and you can't do that as a human you know i can't go in and say of course you should have said something or you shouldn't you know there's no judgment on whether you should or you shouldn't there's you know you did what you the best you could it's just a natural reaction or, or whatever it was i say 
it means nothing in comparison to what Bruno offers. Wow. Okay. So, and the, the, those aren't just Bruno. There are other dogs. Oh, there are. Yes, there are many, many, well, but uh, many, yes. many. Like, and I have, I have stories for every dog. I have stories for every session, and it's just such an honour to to watch what they bring. Mm -hmm. It's. I'm really just the chauffeur um, mm -hmm. on, on on this exercise. The the dogs are pure magic. But Bruno has become a bit of a, a legend in his own right, I think. Oh, I know, I can. I just can never forget Bruno. I do see the other dogs as well, but I just thought Bruno's <laughs> got a very special place in my heart. Yes. Um, so tell me about the kind of, I know it's all very, obviously it's very, um, it's a very, it's com what, what goes on in your sessions are confidential, but can you yeah. give me some kind of, um, and just tell me a little bit about the kind of feedback that you get from from the people who come to your workshops and who you work with about about how, I know you talked about the penny dropping and, and the way that the animal story can be so powerful but what kind of what kind of feedback do you get from the people you work with uh, most of the time it's never come back without the dog um <laughs> that's the the uh, that's the feedback i get yeah uh, so um the the process itself is is about looking at how dogs respond so we tell the stories through the dogs mm -hmm. because it enables the hu humans to learn in a different way so we we're not we're not talking about our personal stories um obviously you know people people share things people talk about things but i think one of the things that there is a, um sometimes a misconception about is oh, it must be quite heavy and it must be quite hard work and, and quite emotional and, and all of those things and it isn't it is so much fun and it is so uplifting and even though the subject matter can be um <sighs> you know to use the word we're told subject matter it can be can be challenging it's it's so light-hearted mm -hmm. and so we go through we look at how um how the brain responds to trauma we look at some of the 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 science behind um how we respond and why we respond in certain ways and why we continue to respond in certain ways years and years and years after um trauma and we look at the science to take away any blame and we explain it, but we explain it from the point of view of the dog. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, how did Bruno respond or how would he respond now if he saw this and, and, and you know, the, those sorts of things. And we do training exercises yeah. with the dog um, and we look at that and, and parallel how uh, that, you know, small steps towards what you want to achieve and how do we break that down and how do we learn and how do we change the patterns of our own behaviour. Mm -hmm. So there are there are various different aspects to it and it's it's an all-day session that, that we we deliver and i think the, the, the feedback is the feedback is usually oh, that was more fun than i thought it would be and um you, you hear people laughing and you in and you hear people sharing in a way they probably wouldn't normally because the group becomes so supportive of each other at that point and they're they're encouraging each other to you know well no it's your turn to do this with the dog even though you're a bit nervous and there's there are I mean there are so many stories about feedback from or what what's happened in the session and uh, different people and what they've gone on to do but there are people who have made a real change as a result so we had a, a lady in her 80s um, in one session um, again I talk about um, positive touch and this was with Bruno actually in um, yeah in Wales it was um, and she had never touched another human being safely. So she'd been um, abused in her childhood. She was married very, very young, abused by her husband, had no family, had no children, um, no friends because of the isolation that he'd created. He died and then he, she'd then been going to this, the charity that I, I was working with um, 
she'd been going for a year or two um, before I met her. And Bruno was the first soul she, she'd touched safely. And she then went on and um, uh, she's now volunteering for the charity, working with older people um, who've experienced abuse. And so for her to then have the courage to do that, it's just amazing and she she doesn't say it's anything to do with us she says it's all to do with bruno <laughs> so it's um you know if, if he can trust people again she can trust people again and that's that's the main message that we get back wow but you facilitated that marie and i drove had, in there you, i did, you did yeah. <laughs> to make it happen in the first yes i am his chauffeur yeah and what an, what an incredible story as well for somebody um you know at that at that someone at that stage of their life to to have that that second chance of happiness that we talk about with the dogs, isn't yeah, it? And yeah, then definitely. also going out and helping other people. It's just just so, so um, inspiring, isn't it? So just as we're talking about that, so the, the, the lady you've just been talking about, we're, we're talking in like April 2020, 2021 even, um, after a year of lockdown, it's obviously put a stop to a lot of the activity that yeah. you were doing because you were going yeah. out we were going in person face yeah. to face wasn't it yeah so tell me about tell me about the other parts of um canine perspective um that that you have and and, and i know you're going to be building everything back up again as we yes. return to normal yeah. but where are you at now and what other what other resources are there out there from you guys um that that people can use and, and who, who are they for as well Okay, so we have had um, we, we've had an enforced stop, uh, which has led to um, some some quite intense rethinking over the last year. And you're right that um, in-person delivery has been um, paused indefinitely at the moment for us, and for you know, we're certainly not the only ones. So moving forward, we Canine Hope will be back um, as soon as as soon as we are allowed. Uh, that will be delivered again. We we deliver through charities, and we will be delivering that again through charities. And we will be looking at bringing in a couple of um, couple of experts to help to support us in. Uh, delivering it ourselves as well because we we've heard there are a number you know, there's a large number of survivors who don't access charity support so we've had requests and so we'll be, we'll be working that out so as always canine hope is going to be the driving force mm -hmm. and we're changing a lot of the other things that we we used to do so we we did a lot of resilience training um similar to to trauma recovery but looking at, at trauma in a wider sense so stress being trauma to the brain and, and how we can utilize the wisdom of the the dogs and canine co-tutors to to create these programs so we're changing those and we are looking at um uh, we're looking at it from a leadership perspective looking at survivors and people with lived experience as uh, representative leaders so this doesn't mean disclosure this doesn't mean um sharing stories or anything like that unless unless people want to of course but it does mean people people who have lived experience actually stepping up and making a change whether that is in a in their own home in their in their community in their workplace whatever that might be and i think there another misconception is that there's there's a certain type of person um who attends our canine hope sessions uh, there's a certain type of person um who would who would be a survivor and usually when we start to, to talk about some of the people who attend our programs and, and their jobs and their careers and their livelihoods and their their experience um, with those people then stepping up into leadership roles, I think, especially if we look at the last year and some of the questionable decisions that have been made by people in power right across the board. Um, I think the the more people we have with a moral compass um, leading the way is really exciting. And there's a there's a quote I love about um, you know that you can you can gauge 
the, the moral code, this is a paraphrasing because I can't actually, 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 let me read it to you. Uh, the greatness of our nation and its moral progress can be uh, judged by the way that animals are treated. And that's a, a quote by Gandhi that I, I love and live by. And so if you bring all of those things together and create representative leaders and much of what we what we will be delivering is very similar because it is about um, how the brain responds and how you can then um, challenge that and, and step up and make a change and uh, start to change your behavior and, and change it in a way that empowers other people and, and supports others exactly the same way that, that we work with the dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that can be really exciting. So we're, we're really looking forward to, to, to bringing back the elements we love and developing uh, some new elements as a part of that. And then we also obviously have our, our mascot Luna. So we have, um, we have various uh, merchandise products and all sorts of things that, um, that, that were around. Uh, we were due to be launching them last April, um, unfortunately in, in shops, but obviously uh, they were somewhat closed and we were not deemed essential. <laughs> so it's, um, so that, that, will be, that will also be coming back along with our children's book and all sorts of things. Yes, I've, so you've already got one children's book out, haven't you? Is there another children's book? In the uh, there will, yeah, so we, we've got one. So we've got Luna's Woodland Adventure aimed at uh, five and six-year-olds. Yeah. And there's a, of course, there's a story of a dog and a behaviour change element into that. Um, so yes, that is, that is fabulous. Uh, what we're doing with that at the moment is we're working with a, a teacher to develop a, a, a package around it so that we have some, some education packages, which it's all part of leadership, isn't yeah. it? You know, you start them young. So so yes, there will be there will be a number of things happening with Luna as well over the next few months. Brilliant. Okay, so you were just talking about leadership and and just what we can learn from our dogs, um, and you know particularly with everything that's happened over the last the last year, um, it's been obviously it's been a challenging time for for many many reasons. People have lost loved ones, mm. lost their livelihoods, all kinds of things that were like, I hate the word unprecedented because it's been banded around so much hasn't it's been it overused a bit <laughs> yeah it has but you know it's no one could have predicted what's happened but um I guess I guess what I wanted to ask you and I'm probably wording this really badly but you know if we look at the situation that we're in at the moment you know what do you think what do you think dogs can teach us about how to you know how to be resilient and how to get through these these challenging times again challenging has been overused hasn't it but what do you think we can learn from our dogs i think at the moment we are we're almost living um what we talk about on our sessions because without exception everyone has experienced a trauma mm -hmm. over the last last few months and and while there there are certainly scales of that and there are certainly differences within within what people have experienced a, a trauma has happened even even if we we talk at the very base level right now of um you know fear there's uncertainty um we we have experienced trauma and when we look at uh so for us it's rescue dogs when when they've experienced a trauma and they they don't just learn to trust again they trust themselves as well you know they they, they allow themselves to they allow themselves to learn. They allow themselves to get used to a new environment. They allow themselves to get used to a new normal. Um, they allow themselves to, to change their behaviors to fit that new normal. And hopefully that new normal is a fabulous new family and they're forever home and they're forever family and they will make the, make the best of that. But with the understanding that sometimes there will be days where they maybe have some of those um, traumas re-triggered. And I think that's what we're experiencing at the moment that you know there's there's an element of hope and there's an element of um 
what we can do and we can very much try and, and live day to day and live in the moment but we are human and our brains do work slightly differently but I think just just trusting learning to trust again and being willing to trust again I think is really important at the moment yeah and have hope I guess for the future definitely be more dog <laughs> fantastic so what would you say the last 12 months have, has taught you about when it comes to resilience I know you have you you've got your masters and you've done the dog training and you've obviously lived with um you've built up canine hope and help so you work with worked on resilience with so many people from lots of different backgrounds but what would you say the last um you know lockdown and all that's happened around it has taught you that it that you've never cracked it that's for sure um and it is a, is a constant practice so you know resilience is about bouncing back isn't it and about having the skills to bounce back and sometimes in order to bounce back you have to you have to accept that you have to pause and you have to stop and that was really hard yeah and when that's that's not of your choosing i think that's even harder so it's believing that you can bounce back and you will bounce back and then putting all of the things that work for you in place so whatever they may be but if you haven't done that and, and put that to the test before and learn what those things are it will be more difficult so you have to practice all the time mm -hmm. you, know, you have whatever it is that works for you um to put you you back in that mindset that you can do it and that that something can change something can happen you can take one small step so for me talking to you is an awesome step to yeah. get us back you know and it, it's 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 just having the courage to just take those steps and accept that it might not work mm -hmm. but you're going to try anyway that's um that's what i really love about luna's podcast so marie's has got a brilliant podcast and it's in the it's through the eyes and the the, the heart of a dog um and it's so good like oh, i was just it's so uplifting they're really the only short episodes and you know there's like lovely stories about you know if, you know losing your favorite ball and what you can learn from that and you know we're all a work in progress and you know just you know the like you talk about friendship and all kinds of different things don't you and luna's amazing adventures and honestly if you want to pick me up just go and listen to luna's podcast because it's just so good and so wise <laughs> no honestly it's just amazing and it's you know it's just such a great great resource whatever um your background whether you are um, you know, whether you're one of Marie's clients or just a dog lover who just wants to see eyes through, see life through the eyes of a dog. And sometimes, like, you know, when I've been really stressed, I've listened to Luna's podcast and I might have been out running with Patch and stuff. And I kind of listen to what Luna's saying. And I think, oh, well, that, that'll be what my dog, you know, I could imagine Patch saying these things. Um, she is very wise. Isn't yeah. She? And it actually makes you take a, you listen, you listen to Luna and then you kind of take a breath and think, you know what? Yeah. Just, just take a, you know just try and be try and think more just stop putting pressure on yourself just mm -hmm. try and be more like your dog yeah um, because they're very wise aren't they i think so yeah fantastic okay so you have got um you are obviously coming back after not being able to go out or do anything so we are you, yes what's next for you with canine perspective and, and all the fabulous things you've got going on uh the bit the biggest thing for us will be um will be i think the first the first time i deliver the next canine hope program i think i'll be the most emotional person in the room without without a shadow of a doubt so so getting that back is is the first the first and foremost that's what we'll be doing um and then uh re launching our leadership program 
will be next so that's going to be very exciting and that's something that we're going to do twofold so one will we will do in-person delivery but we're obviously not putting any um, deadlines on that at the yeah. moment for obvious reasons but we are going to um, design a version where somebody can do at home with their own dog mm -hmm. so um yeah so i'm looking exactly. forward to that fantastic okay so if people want to find out more about you and what you do where's the best place for them to go and find you so our canine-perspective.com website um mm -hmm. we have we have information on there and uh, you can sign up for whichever element you are interested in brilliant okay and i will link to your website and all of your social media profiles in the show notes of this you. episode so if Thank you're listening you on an much. app um just swipe up and you'll find all of the links and if you're listening on um, my website then they'll all be in the blog post that goes with this episode Oh, so Marie, it is always so lovely um, chatting to you. I know we've spoken a lot over the last few years and yeah, you. I know it sounds cheesy, but you're just such an inspiration and I love, love, love all that you do. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. No, I appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank Rachel. you. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.